Welcome to the Bible Teaching Podcast of the Southwest Church of Christ. My name is Ken Hines, and I'm glad that you're with me today. Today's podcast is about a church that changed the world. And if you think that we are, uh, we have arrived as a world and that uh, we have no need for hope, if we have no need for things to be better, then today's lesson probably won't be very relevant or interesting to you. But if you think that we have a world full of broken people, uh, people who are desperate for meaning, people who need forgiveness, people who need a second start, people who need salvation, people who need to know that God loves them, um, then I think that you'll find today's lesson is, is very relevant. We're going to talk about the church in Antioch. In our study, we are at the point where we're opening our Bibles to Acts chapter 13. And the Bible says, among the prophets and teachers of the church at Antioch of Syria were Barnabas, Simeon, called the black man, Lucius from Cyrene, Menaean, the childhood companion of King Herod Antipas, and Saul. Uh, first off, I'd just like to say that this is uh, quite a collection of talented teachers. Uh, Barnabas was very prominent in the early church. The apostles called him the son of encouragement. Uh, Simeon uh, was well known. Uh, Lucius uh, from Cyrene. A Menaean who grew up with the king, had some connections there. And, and Saul uh, was the one who had uh, an interesting story that you know, and um, had the most potential of all of them. What a group. And so they were, they were the teachers at the church. And the uh, Bible says in verse two, one day as these men were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, appoint Barnabas and Saul for the special work to which I have called them. So, after more fasting and prayer, the men laid their hands on them and sent them on their way. So Barnabas and Saul were sent out by the Holy Spirit. They went down to the seaport of Seleucia and then sailed for the island of Cyprus. There, in the town of Salamis, they went to the Jewish synagogues and preached the word of God. John Mark went with them as their assistant. So we see here some interesting aspects of this church at Antioch, this church that made its mark on the world, this church that was obedient to the command of Jesus Christ to go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Uh, those who believe and are baptized will be saved. Those who don't believe will be condemned. The church in Antioch heard that commission, that the commission that we call great, and uh, they were obedient to it. Uh, what are the aspects of a church like that, a, a church that changes the world in the face of uh, challenges, in the face of difficulties? Uh, we note, first of all, that it is a church that teaches we, we see these uh, great, talented, energetic, prominent teachers. Um, to become a leader in the church at Antioch, uh, 
you had to be active in teaching the word of God. So that, that was uh, what was important to them. And the Christian, uh, uh, the followers of Christ, the disciples were first called Christians at Antioch because they wore the name of Christ. That's who they talked about. That's what they taught. Uh, so we need to be a church that teaches, a church that lives for Jesus and teaches about him. Secondly, it needs to be a church that prays and fasts. Uh, these, uh, the teachers were praying and fasting. The church was praying. Uh, they sent them off with prayer and fasting. It's been said that when we work, we work. But when we pray, God works. And that makes all the difference. And why would we go to the discomfort and inconvenience and disruption of our normal routine by fasting? Uh, it's uncomfortable. It, it's not pleasant. So in fasting, you're setting aside something that is good, food, for something that is better, seeking the will of God. Well, why would you do that? Well, the only reason you would do that is when you are not satisfied with the status quo. Uh, you look at the way things are, and you believe they can be better, or you're desperate for them to be better. You know you need the blessing of God, and, and you're going to seek it. It's like uh, Jacob wrestling with the angel of the Lord. Um, I won't let you go until you bless me. Uh, that's what you do when you're fasting. You're insisting. Uh, you're knocking on the door again and again, pleading with God to change the status quo. So we see a church that teaches, a church that prays and fasts, and third, a church that listens and obeys. Now, we don't know exactly how they discerned that this was the Holy Spirit who said, appoint Barnabas and Saul. Um, maybe it was an audible voice. Uh, maybe it was a conviction. Maybe it was um, something that someone in the church said. Uh, maybe it was uh, circumstances um, you know, that, that we're unaware of. Um, we don't know. But, but we do know that that was the will of God. I remember when I had been praying as a college student, asking for God's direction in my life. And uh, there was an answer to that prayer. It wasn't an audible voice. I didn't see God in a vision. But I knew that that was the answer that God provided to the request that, uh, that I had asked of him. I asked for a direction, and, and he provided that answer. Um, so you have a church that, that listens, and then the part that follows is, is uh, perhaps even more important, a church that listens and obeys. You know, the church could have said, you know, we can't spare Barnabas. You know, he's the most prominent leader in this part of the world. You know, he's our representative he's been with the apostles uh, we need barnabas you know we can't spare saul um, he knows uh, he knows greek he's uh, got so much bible knowledge uh, of the scriptures 
we can't spare Saul. Um, but the church listened. They heard the word of God. They, they discerned God's will. And they were obedient. They paid that price. And then the fourth aspect of the, a church that makes a difference in the world is uh, not found in chapter 13 in the verses that we read. But uh, at the end of this missionary journey, we can read about it in Acts 14, verses 27 and 28. Uh, we see that this is a church that uh, welcomes and rejoices. Uh, Paul and Barnabas returned after their trip. Uh, they reported what God had done with them. And they stayed a long time with the disciples, the Bible said. Well, after a stressful time uh, when you're uh, in desperate need of recharging your batteries, uh, when you have financial needs, uh, you won't stay a long time in some place where your needs aren't being met. Your physical needs and your emotional and social needs and your spiritual needs. But Paul and Barnabas stayed there a long time with the disciples. This was a church that was welcoming and church that, that rejoiced in the word of God. So uh, these are four aspects of a church that changes the world. Number one, a church that teaches. Number two, a church that prays and fasts. Number three, a church that listens and obeys. And number four, a church that welcomes and rejoices. And as you know, uh, our congregation, the Southwest Church of Christ has been that kind of church. We want to be that kind of church. We want to make a difference in the world. Uh, God has moved among us. Uh, God has called out from our own number, the children who grew up in our congregation, uh, who like Paul and Barnabas became missionaries. Eric Guild, Susan Hines, Chris Kelly, Oh, what an honor, what a blessing to be part of a people that God has, has moved among and, and has touched their heart and stirred their heart. And uh, they heard God's call and they were obedient to it, not because it was the easiest choice, not because it was the, the way to make the most money. Or, uh, or have uh, become the most popular figure in, in our world, but because they were obedient to the voice of God. And it's an honor for us to be part of the same kingdom as their families. Uh, we are part of the same congregation as people like Gary and Marlene Kelly, Paul and Julie Hines that uh, on um, family gathering days, um, holidays like uh, Labor Day or 4th of July, uh, their family reunion hasn't been complete uh, because uh, they have children who have been serving overseas. On Mother's Day, all of their children aren't with them because they've had children who've been serving overseas. They've paid a high price. But that's part of being a church that makes a difference in the world. And we honor and esteem them 
for the sacrifice that they have offered due to their love for our Lord Jesus. So this is the kind of church it's going to take. And so Paul and Barnabas took off uh, with their uh, assistant, Mark. Um, I'm not going to read the whole story there, but in verses uh, 6 through 12, where we read the story of how they went to Cyprus, they went from town to town, and they were preaching. They would begin preaching in the Jewish synagogue, and then would branch out from there, because they found the same reaction everywhere they went. Um, some people would believe, but most people didn't believe. And sometimes the believers were antagonistic. And um, in Cyprus, there was one, one unbeliever who was especially antagonistic, um, Elimus the sorcerer was um, was antagonistic and, and Saul got uh, tired of him and just uh, called him out, looked him at the eye and called him a son of the devil uh, and um, he said, you know you're going to be uh, you're going to receive the punishment of the Lord. <laughs> that's that's really uh, strong language and Elimus um, walked out of that building blind. Um, someone had to uh, lead him by the hand there and so that was a, a short uh, period of time where everyone could see that uh, he was as blind physically as he was spiritually it shows that god takes this seriously and that's when that was the day that uh, saul became known as paul and it was no longer saul and barnabas excuse me barnabas and saul but the team became paul and barnabas now that uh, is a transition that I think is often overlooked. So that was a rugged, difficult path. Uh, right after that, John Mark, the nephew of Barnabas, left the team. Uh, they had to uh, deal with uh, his struggle. And I know like what that's like as a missionary to know what it's like to deal with people who leave your team. Uh, Barnabas had been the most prominent member of the the church in that part of the world and all of a sudden he is um, Paul's sidekick you know that takes a lot of grace um, you know we're used to um, a uh, sidekick being named Barney you know there there's uh, Fred and Barney and the Flintstones uh, there's Andy and Barney in um, Andy of Mayberry. Uh, we're used to Barney being a sidekick, but Barnabas wasn't used to that uh, in the first century, and it required some adjusting. Um, he made that adjustment because of his humility, uh, because he saw that was uh, good. He saw the potential in Paul. But uh, that takes a lot of grace to step aside and let someone else outshine you. Um, there's an old, um, old rhyme. It takes more grace than I can tell to play the second fiddle well. But um, there is a place in the kingdom of God for those of us who play the second fiddle, um, like John the Baptist like Barnabas, 
like you, like me. And it was tough for Paul as well. He's the one who uh, who people were resisting the most. And he had some growing to do and some changing to do. It was a rugged path. But it was worth it because even though most people didn't believe, some people did. And those people who did believe found that their lives were changed. Their sins were forgiven. Their souls were saved. They were given a new purpose in life. Uh, they were given a new identity. They were given a fresh start. And uh, that made it, that made all the difficulties, all the challenges worth it. Uh, I, again, I encourage you to read the rest of chapter 13. Uh, we have a very notable sermon in here by the Apostle Paul in Antioch of Pisidia. It's the first sermon that we have of, uh, that we have recorded of Paul. And uh, his point is that in Jesus, there is forgiveness and there's hope. And he provides the proof of history. He talks about how God had been working throughout history to this point. He provides the proof of witnesses said that people saw Jesus raised from the dead, and he provided the proof of scripture, proof from the Psalms. He, he quoted that um, this is the prophecy, and it's fulfilled in Jesus. And um, let's, let's read here towards the um, end uh, in verse 42, as Paul and Barnabas left the synagogue that day, the people begged them to speak about these things again the next week. Many Jews and devout converts to Judaism followed Paul and Barnabas, and the two men urged them to continue to rely on the grace of God. The following week, almost the entire city turned out to hear them preach the word of the Lord. But when some of the Jews saw the crowds, they were jealous, so they slandered Paul and argued against whatever he said. Then Paul and Barnabas spoke out boldly and declared, it was necessary that we first preach the word of God to you Jews, but since you've rejected it and judged yourselves unworthy of eternal life, we will offer it to the Gentiles. And verse 48, when the Gentiles heard this, they were very glad and thanked the Lord for his message, and all who were chosen for eternal life became believers. So the Lord so the Lord's message spread throughout that region. And um, so um, some of the leaders of the synagogue incited a mob against Paul and Barnabas, ran them out of town. Uh, they shook the dust off from their feet. Um, that was something that the Jews were familiar with when they traveled through Gentile lands or especially Samaritan lands. So when they reached uh, Jewish territory, they would shake that uh, Gentile dust uh, as unworthy of, of coming into a mix with the Jewish dust. Um, and uh, so that's what, that's what Paul and Barnabas did, said that, uh, you know, we're in a new, uh, a new transition, a new place. Um, and uh, we're going to seek out people who are worthy, uh, worthy not because of uh, being better necessarily than everyone else, uh, but worthy because 
they are aware of their spiritual needs and uh, they seek out their spiritual needs. As Jesus said, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. They may not be the best people uh, morally. Uh, they might be the ones who stand out in society, but they are the ones who will be filled, they will be filled according to Jesus. So Paul and Barnabas kept going. And I would like to encourage you to keep going. Yes, uh, like those, uh, like Paul and Barnabas on that first missionary journey, uh, we face people who reject our message. Most people that we talk to do not believe. And it's really easy for uh, someone who, who rejects our message and sometimes even rejects us personally. It's uh, really hard uh, for us to deal with that. And sometimes we take it personally. And sometimes we just get discouraged and we don't say anything. Um, like you, I have invited people to church. I've had some people who tell me thank you and they'll be there and don't show up. I've had other people thank me and, and they do accept the invitation. And, and some who've whose lives have been changed because of that. Uh, I've also had people who say, uh, no, thank you. Uh, but I've also had people who've gotten upset with me because I dared to invite them to church and, and they got angry. And they said, don't, don't do that anymore. Don't talk to me about that. And then sometimes I've uh, become a little hesitant or afraid to to invite people to church or, or to bring up spiritual topics in my everyday conversations because of that. And um, I think as I've read this from uh, this message in the Bible today, um, I don't want to do that anymore. As I read this message today, I want to be part of a church that is about changing the world. And uh, so I have been touched by this message. I hope that you have as well. May God bless you. May he keep you close to him. And may he open your eyes to the open doors that he provides you in your everyday life as we continue this message that we've read about, this mission of spreading good news throughout the world. May God bless you.